Oh, good evening. Good evening. And uh, we're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to look at the scriptures and enjoy God's goodness uh, to each of us. And uh, I suppose we're all asking ourselves the same question in these, uh, these days. And uh, I would like to pose that same question once again to us. And, and that's, who do, we really, who do we really love? Uh, we uh, are definitely being tested. Uh, and if you don't feel like you're being tested, then uh, pinch yourself. Because uh, all of us need to be tested in a way by God that causes us to draw closer to Him. And uh, it's a good thing. It's always a good thing. And it's, uh, it's a God thing. And His Spirit desires to meet us right where we're at. We all know that. But we also know that, that God's uh, grace is enough, more than enough. But He always supplies all that we need. So we're going to look in uh, Genesis chapter 2. So if you'll look right there with me, uh, we're going to start in verse 8. We're going to look at a little more of... Uh, chapter 2, but uh, we're going to start with verse 8. And uh, this is a very interesting passage. Uh, and we'll, we're, we're going to look at why God said what God said here. Why God uh, purposed what He purposed. As a matter of fact, you could ask yourself that uh, day in and day out as you read the Word of God. Uh, but most of our whys won't be answered because they're all consumed in the loving kindness and mercy and faithfulness of God our Savior. But chapter 2, verse 8 says here, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. Very forthright scripture, but uh, we're going to examine it just for a moment. And we're going to ask ourselves... Uh, uh, some simple questions. Uh, first off, uh, this uh, verse in, in chapter 2, this verse 8, obviously comes after God created the heavens and the earth and created everything within the earth and rested the seventh day. So when uh, verse 8 says the Lord God planted a garden. It's not a recreation. It's not uh, something that God took from nothing and developed into this uh, garden that we know of called Eden. But it is God taking what He already created, which is vegetation, uh, and planted something very special for a very specific purpose for Adam and Eve. And uh, so, this garden, this garden was a special place. Uh, God has a special place for you and I. And uh, it, it's, it becomes more and more important as we walk with Him how He gives us these special places where He meets with us. That's the special place. He meets with us. And He walks with us, and we walk with Him. This garden was uh, 
eastward in Eden, it says. It's where he planted this garden. This word garden actually means in the Hebrew, a head to ground of planned, planted vegetation. A shut-in formation to protect or to restrain. So, go with me on this for a moment. So God takes what he already created, this vegetation, and he plants a hedged ground. He planned it. He planted this vegetation. He formed this vegetation to protect and restrain any outside force, anything from outside of this vegetation. He could have made it a million miles long by a million miles square. He could have made it on the top of a mountain. He could have, well, use your imagination. Uh, I just did, actually, didn't I? So he created from what he's already formed, from what he already, he already had created, this garden. It's, it's, it's a, a place where he placed his human likeness. And there he put them whom he has formed. So, obviously God wanted Adam and Eve, Eve's not here yet, but she's coming, wanted Adam and Eve both to be protected by him. He wanted to be their complete protector. You think anything's changed? Absolutely not. God wants to be our complete protector. But both of us know, as we read the Scriptures, and as we understand what happened in this garden, what is going to happen as we continue to read 15 through 17 here, chapter 2. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So I want to uh, call this God's first great commission to man. The great commission, the greatest commission. And he put them in this garden and he blessed them to eat of every tree, of every fruit. He said they could eat of this, but of this tree, this singular tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, you shall not eat. This is not new, new news, is it? You've heard this in Sunday school as a child. You've heard this older as you got older as an adult, and you read this, and you said, oh, this, this, this I've heard plenty of times. Matter of fact, I've heard it so many times that sometimes when we hear something over and over, it becomes meaningless because we just run over it in our mind, and it and it becomes something, oh yeah, I know what that means. But this tree in the middle of a garden, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I want to, to let you know what this tree was. This tree was a tree that if they ate of it, they were replacing 
this tree or the knowledge of good and evil, they were replacing it with God and God with it. They were saying that I want something that God's not provided or said, no, we've never done that, have we? <laughs> we all do that. So the knowledge of good and evil really is uh, in order to, to eat of the knowledge of good and evil, what we're doing is we're ascertaining by seeing, which is what Adam and Eve did, by seeing or experiencing anything apart from God's grace. So when they, they did take of this tree, what they were doing in disobedience was they were obtaining knowledge of both good and evil. God only told Adam and Eve what was right. They walked with Him in the cool of the garden. They enjoyed God's presence as a father. They enjoyed His protection in this hedged-in garden. They felt His love. They felt His goodness. They felt His mercy. They felt His faithfulness. They felt these things that they could not describe, but they were there. They were always there. And I want to ask you a question. Do you think it's possible that you and I could regain this, this garden? I think it's possible that, that in our lifetime or in our, the body of our existence on this earth even, could we regain this garden or similar to this garden? And I want to, I want to argue that you can. You and I can not only regain uh, this garden, but we can uh, expound on it or let God expound on it in our lives. And we're gonna, that's what we're looking at tonight because we're living in a time of great fear, right? At least uh, we are told we should fear. We should fear a virus. We should fear uh, getting too close to people. We should fear what other people say that we should hear. And I really believe God is saying, no, I want to protect you. I want to be your protector once again. I want you to come into my loving kindness and mercy and be protected by my grace that's sufficient for you. And we got to stop understanding by knowledge or by ascertaining something by what we see or what we experience. Uh, and it, that's those, those are those things apart from God. God is a God of internal, not external. All these external things we know will pass away. Oh, they might be good for a short amount of time and they may be, may be God's blessing to us uh, because He gives all good things. But the, the, the thing that He has put within will last forever. So God desired to be Adam and Eve's complete authority. And uh, Adam and Eve uh, gained knowledge, but they named, gained knowledge of good and evil, but they gained it without God. And you know what happens when you have knowledge, whether it be good or, and, and, and or evil, and you don't have the ability to know how to use it? That means you don't have wisdom. The, the world uh, and in its uh, 
depth of understanding tells us that we need to go to university and college. We need to understand what the scientists understand for us. We need to make sure that we have enough information that we can understand the definition of things, but we have no wisdom. Wisdom only belongs to God. Only belongs to God. Now, God's given scientists wisdom, there's no doubt. But the ability to use knowledge to glorify God and to knowledge to be able to understand God's truth is only the gift of God by His Spirit. And Adam and Eve, because they went and partook and disobeyed God from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God had to kick them out of the garden. We know that, right? If we continue to read, we're not going to look at that, but we know that. God kicked them out of the garden. As a matter of fact, they weren't allowed back in. As a matter of fact, He put a cherubim right there with a flaming sword. And that cherubim, that angel, that stood at the, the, at the entrance to the door to the, the eastern garden of Eden uh, would not let them back in so that they would not eat of that tree and live forever because they would take the knowledge of good and evil without wisdom and destroy themselves. So God is still protecting Adam and Eve from themselves. That's God wants to protect you and I from ourselves, even in these, this time of our lives. It's up to us to give ourselves to Him. And he, He's a gentleman, God is. He doesn't force that upon us. Let's look, though, at the next, uh, the next two people on this earth, what they did with that also, because when we examine how God deals with mankind, we understand how God will deal with us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, so He'll deal with us the same way. And uh, this is found in Genesis chapter 4, 4 and 5, and it says, uh, And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain, verse 5, and to his offering, he had no respect. He had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance falling? If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lies at your door. And unto thee, shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. See the mercy and the loving uh, compassion of God wanting to restrain Cain? Now, we have to read into all this. We don't have time tonight to, uh, to look at it all, but we know that Adam and Eve sinned, as we talked about, and they were kicked out of the garden. But before that happened, something very beautiful happened. Adam and Eve tried to uh, cover themselves with fig leaves and God Himself killed an animal as a blood sacrifice to the covering of sin. As the Scriptures say, the only blood will cover sin. Now, all throughout the Scriptures, nothing else can take away sin. And uh, it's God's simple principle all the way through 
the scriptures all the way to the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world, who died for the sins of you and I, none other but God's own Son, who was here, right here in the uh, very beginning, Elohim, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and Adam and Eve were clothed by those skins rather than those fig leaves. So this principle and this simple understanding that the only way sin could be atoned for was through blood sacrifice through an animal, blood sacrifice, was passed down from Adam and Eve to their first two sons, Cain and Abel. And there came a time when they both were felt guilty and wanted to offer God a sacrifice. And this is what we're reading in chapter 4. So Abel brought, verse 4, the firstlings of the flock of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect. You know what that word actually means? Very simple. Uh, it actually means to look at. And the Lord looked at Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. He did not look at Cain. Now, I hope us understand that if you have children, you, especially if they're young children, but adults, children, especially children, though, you know, children want to see our eyes. They want our attention as, as their, their parents or as adults, especially as parents. And I remember when our children were little and they would always yell, Daddy, Daddy, Mommy, Mommy, look, watch me do this. And they might be just standing on one leg. And it wasn't something that you hadn't seen before. But they wanted your eyes. They wanted you to look at them. They wanted you to say, oh, that's great, wow. Even if it wasn't a wow. But it was your child. And that eye contact, looking at them, gained respect between you and your child. And this is what this word is in respect. It means to look at. And God looked at Abel and his sacrifice because it was exactly what God said would cover the sins when both Abel and Cain felt guilty for their sins. But he did not look at. Cain and his sacrifice. He did not have respect. And Cain was very angry. His countenance fell in. But God made a way out. This is the mercy and loving kindness of our Savior. And he asked him, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? And he told them how he could be accepted. So if you do what's right, well, your brother did what was right. He could have took of the, uh, probably maybe it was even the first fruits of, of, the, of the produce of the land that, that Cain had, that he had tried to offer God instead of a blood sacrifice, but he could have bartered with his brother and said, let me purchase some of the, uh, a, a lamb from you, an animal from you, and he could have uh, had that blood sacrifice and been accepted by God. But instead, we, we know what happened. He let sin rule over him. And he killed his brother. So, 
Although sin wants to, do, to rule over us, we, we must master it and let God master it through us, truly. God always will give us a way out. We want it. God's wanting to protect us now. You know, we are our own worst enemy, ourselves. And we're the only ones that can surrender our hearts to the Lord, or we're the only ones that can keep our hearts away from God. And, but it's the Word of God that separates those two. It's the, the Word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword that causes us to be able to hear the Word of, the, the word of truth and causes us to walk in faith because it is the Word of faith. It's the pleasure of God. It defeats everything, but it defeats the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in our lives. All those competing factors of the flesh. So I want to turn to Deuteronomy 29.29, if you will, with me here. And this is a scripture that uh, is... given to Moses, and Moses at this time has just uh, shared the Ten Commandments with the, the Israelites once again, and he's get, told them about the blessings, he's told, told them about curses, but he's, he's, he's laid out all of law, God's laws, God told Moses, tell them. And right at the end of this, laying out of the laws and the, ten, and the commandments of God, the Lord says this in verse 29 of 29 of Deuteronomy. Chapter 29, 20, verse 29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of God's law. So it's, these, this is separation. The secret things belong to God, the Lord our God, but those things that are revealed, what are those things that are revealed? Well, here they are. We just talked about them a moment ago. These are the things that God wants to reveal to us. Secret things belong to Him. Here's what He's given all to us. Now, a lot of this might be secret, but he's ready to reveal it. It's already written. We can, we can read it. We can pray about it. We can talk to God about it. And he will, is ready to reveal this to us. But the beautiful thing is he also wants to give us secret things. They belong to God, but that doesn't mean God doesn't want to, doesn't, doesn't want to just keep them to himself. He wants to give them to us, but the first thing that you and I must adhere to is those things that He has revealed already, the Word of God. So I want to, I start off by asking each of us, who do we love? Who do we love? And you know, it's just a real testing, testing ground, and I believe this, this time is testing, testing to all of us, both those that are saved and those that are lost, but mostly to those that are saved, those that know Christ. And do I want God's restraint in that garden? Do I want God to build up a hedge, His hedge, around me? Or do I want my freedom 
the freedom of my flesh to do what I feel like is good? Do I want my comforts back? Do I want things to go back to normal and feel as if everything's fine then once they go back to normal? God wants to give us secret things, but He wants to reveal those things that are in His Word already to us. Let me give you an example, okay? Before I do that, let's, let's, uh, what, what are secret things? Well, secret things are those things that are hidden, right? Those things that are hidden, those things that are concealed, those things that are covered, that's secret things. A lot of uh, newspapers and gossips, all about secret things. And uh, that's the news. Something that you didn't know, but I did. That's not like God. That's not what he's talking about here. He's, he's wanting to reveal more truth. He wants to reveal the, his character. He wants to reveal things that maybe are just the, the things that we would take for granted or the things that we really would like to know, but we understand that really we, we probably will never know what God wants to tell us at times. As we seek the revealed things, I believe the secret things are, are waiting for us. So the revealed things are those open, discovered, or uncovered things. Uh, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16, is probably one of the most obvious scriptures uh, to me that, that talk about this. Uh, and this is a scripture here um, where three angels are, are coming down past Abraham. And um, what, is, what is going on is that, that actually Abraham is a discerning man. And Abraham understands there's something about these three angels that is beyond the, the natural. There's something supernatural. And he wants to have a meal with them. He wants them in his house. He's looking, see, he's looking for maybe whatever it takes to get closer to God. And, and these three right here, he wouldn't let them go by. And he invites them in. And they come in. And actually, one of them uh, is the Son of God, or is the Lord. So, uh, we can read that through, but uh, there, and this is, uh, we're going to read 16 through 19 of uh, chapter 18 of Genesis, but uh, God's going to bless Abraham because of his hunger and thirst for righteousness and his love for God. Verse 16 says, then the men arose from there and looked toward Sodom. They arose from his house, from Abraham's house. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. So they had their meal. They had uh, their time. And here we get this message. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children 
and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So this is God's uh, revealing to us that here they are going to walk on the way, but the Lord said, out loud, we're hearing it. The Lord said, shall I hide? Shall I keep secret? Shall I cover what I am doing from Abraham? No. Why not? Because he knew Abraham's heart and he knew Abraham would not only share his righteousness and his truth and his justice with him, his own family, but his children and his children's children. God revealed this understanding of what he was doing in Sodom to Abraham because Abraham was already walking in what was revealed to him. And God wants to reveal to you and I the secret things as we walk in those things that are revealed. We shouldn't want and desire the secret things because when we hunger and thirst for the Lord, He gives. He can't help it. God blesses. And I'm, I, I know I'm speaking to people who have been very blessed in their lives. And, and uh, we, we see God doing that in each of us, even in these times right now. So, Back to the garden, all right? Back to the garden. But in order to do that, let's go to the book of Job. So what about this hedge? That's a good question. Thank you for asking. What about this hedge that was in the Garden of Eden? Is it possible to regain it? Is it possible to have God's hedge in our life? Even those in the Old Testament... Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things revealed belong to us, right? We looked at that. Well, Job chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, if you'll turn that there with me, the first chapter of Job, we get an insight, a very rare one, because we're going to hear Satan himself be honest. Doesn't happen very often in the Bible. Satan's going to give us a testimony. And it's a true testimony. It's not a deceptive one. So, Job 1, 9 through 10. God's going to ask Satan if he has considered his servant Job. Because Satan had been all throughout the earth seeking those whom he would devour. He's now presented himself before God, as the angels have. Isn't that beautiful to know? <laughs> Satan has, if you want God as your protector, and if you want God to build up your head, you're going to find out that he has to go through Satan. I'm sorry, Satan has to go through God in order for, for Satan to touch you. So let's read this. Glad I got that the other way around, the right way. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? 
the same exact word for the garden in Eden. Have you not made a hedge around Job, around his household, and around all he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions, and you have increased everything in the land. So here Satan is admitting and professing God's hedge of protection, of security that's around Job. Everything he has, his whole family. And now he has to ask God's permission in order to even get through that hedge. That's the beauty of walking with God. God will build up the hedge. It's a hedge of righteousness. It's a hedge of being obedient to God as Abraham was. It's a hedge that Abel had because he did it God's way. And it's the hedge that you and I can have once again if we desire to walk with God according to His Word in truth and not in fear. Let me give you just a, a quick story of uh, Pastor Rob, I uh, shared with you uh, about going to Speaker's Corner in, in London. And uh, not too long ago, a, a young man that I noticed in the crowd as I was preaching, uh, probably about 25-year-old man, he, uh, he was looking at me a little strange as I saw him walk up from uh, the park uh, and I continued to preach and he was giving me a few strange faces as it's not too odd, but he was really constrained. He uh, reminded me a little of Cain, uh, as God said, you know, why is your countenance fallen? Uh, so after about another 10 minutes of interesting facial looks, I stopped and I pointed to him and I said, um, I said, hey. What's your name? My name is Steve. And he looked back at me and he said, uh, well, not that it's any of your business, but uh, my name's Dean. Why? What is it to you? So we started off real well. Uh, but I uh, continued to, to talk to him and I, and I said to him, I said, well, I said, Dean, it's nice to meet you. And... Uh, just want to let you know, I know that you believe in God. And uh, he looked at, back at me and he said, what makes you think that? I don't believe in God at all. You're out of your mind. Yeah, that's what he said. I said, yeah, you do. And I continued to preach. And as I continued to preach another five or ten minutes, he stuck around and uh, gave a few more faces. And... Uh, so I stopped 10 minutes later, I was preaching, and I pointed back at him, and I said, Hey, Dean, can I ask you a few questions? And he said, well, what? What do you want? Why don't you just leave me alone? I said, oh, come on, Dean. He said, what? What, what is it? I said, well, I said, uh, I know you believe in God. I, he said, I already told you I don't. I said, yes, you do. I said, so let me ask you, do you believe that you believe in right and wrong? Do you believe in good and bad? He said, well, yeah. I said, well, do you believe uh, 
that adultery is right or wrong? When he looked at me, he said, oh, I believe it's, it's wrong. I said, okay, okay. I said, what about, what about murder? I said, do you believe murder is right or wrong? And he said, huh, well, in your case, I believe it's right. I'd, 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 I'd kill you for money. I've done, it, I've done it to other people. I said, really? He said, yeah. said, so if somebody gave you enough money, you'd kill me. He said, yeah, yeah, I, I'd do it. And I said, okay. I said, well, let me explain something to you, Dean. He said, go for it. I said, well, he, Dean was about, I don't know, 30 feet, 25, 30 feet away from me. And I said, Dean, between you and me, there's a space, right? He said, yep. I said, well, that space, there's something called authority. He said, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've been to prison. So well, that's not what I'm talking about. I said, I'm talking about the authority of authorities. And that authority, I bowed my knee to 40 years ago and asked Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for my sins to be my Savior. And He put within me His Spirit. And my soul became once again a living being and my sins were forgiven, and He abides in me. So He's my authority. I said, do you understand that? He said, yeah. I said, so in order for you to get from there, where you're at, to get to here, to harm me, you've got to go through Him. And, and I said, you know what? If you can get from there to here and harm me, that's all right with me. Because my life is bound up under His authority and His love and His kindness. And if He permits that, I'm all right with it. I said, do you understand that? And He said, I think I do. I said, okay. So I continued to preach. And uh, about 45 minutes later or so, I got down from the ladder and I asked if anybody wanted to talk. They could, they would be standing there and the first one that walked up was Dean. He walked up to me and he put out his hand and for me to shake his hand, and, and uh, I grabbed his hand to shake his hand, and he said, yeah, you're right, I believe in God. And uh, I said, yeah, I thought you did. And he said, uh, you know, uh, I came here this morning to get away from my wife who was nagging me because last night I went out to the pub and she wanted me to be with her and the kids. And I, they were nagging me this morning when I woke up. And I had a headache. And so I came to the park to get away from that. And I walk up here to listen to you preaching. I said, isn't that something? To you? Something. He said, yeah. He said, I have an aunt that's born again too. She knows Jesus is her Savior. And he said about two years ago, just to get her off my back, I uh, prayed the sinner, sinner's prayer with her. And uh, I looked at him and I said, well, didn't, didn't work, did it? He said, no, it didn't work. I said, so there's a lot going on in, in you, isn't it? He said, yeah, I do believe in God. He said, I just don't know how to get there. And I said, well, Dean, I said, you're starting to think about it now. And, and, and God's waiting. We talked for, for a while. And... Uh, Pray, Tina and I prayed, my wife and I prayed with him and 
uh, he thanked us and uh, we gave him a, a, a scripture booklet and he went away and I didn't see Dean for about another three or four weeks and all of a sudden I'm preaching and I see Dean out there in the crowd again and he's with his wife and his two girls right out there in the crowd. I didn't notice him uh, at first and all of a sudden I saw him and I stopped preaching and I said, hey Dean, how you doing? He smiled and waved. I said, did you, uh, did you tell your, your wife and your kids that you wanted to kill me? And he kind of put his head down and shook his head no. You know, God is our authority. And God desires to show us His goodness and His mercy. God desires to show us that he can do more than we could ever even think or ask. He, he desires to give us true knowledge to instruct us and to give us true judgment. But how do you build that hedge up now? How do you let the authority of God build up the hedge? Well, it's really pretty simple. Job knew how to do it. But God's given us His Spirit. We are a great advantage to let God do that. Go with me in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 25. We're going to look at that quickly. God is the only one that can build up a hedge, a spiritual hedge around us. 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is God, is love. God is love. The fruit of the Spirit has to start with God's love. And everything from the love of God is built up in that hedge around us. Just like Job, just like Adam and Eve in, in Eden, this is Eden's hedge, this is Job's hedge rebuilt in our life. If you want God's hedge built up in your, your life, you have to hear the Word of God and let God build it up. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is the hedged garden of the soul. And God's the only one that can build it up. As we hear the Word of God, the love of God and the love of His truth builds up love, builds up joy. Can't cause joy. Joy doesn't come from uh, uh, accumulating um, a nice swinging hammock in the sun. Those are just temporary things. Matter of fact, I was out there enjoying the sun yesterday and it burnt me. Yeah, it burnt me. Yeah, so you got to watch yourself. But God's Spirit doesn't burn us. He gives us joy. He loves us. He gives us peace in this hedge. Is, you know, it goes wherever we go. When, when we walk with God in these revealed things, it's built up. 
And then he starts giving us even more. You know, he gives us greater peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These are all the things we all love, we all desire, we all want, we all crave, we all seek. Self control. Where are we at that today in, in this world with this COVID 19? when we are having to understand whether we're going to be self-controlled and not hoard something and trust God and fear God more than anything else and let God put that hedge of His self-control in our hearts that we don't fear the lack because He is faithful. He is good. He is kind. So this is that hedge built up and this is what God desires to give us. We could, we could show or we could look at many other men and women in the Scriptures that, that these secret things were revealed to. If we truly desired to understand the, the, the loving kindness of God in our lives and, and this hedge that He wants to build up around us, we could look at Joseph. We could look at David. We could look into the New Testament at, at the apostles, at Paul, at, at Peter, at, at James. Count it all joy, brothers, sisters, when you fall into diverse kinds of troubles. There's count it all joy because you can when the hedge of God is around you. Do you understand? We, we, we have to have this hedge of God built up by Himself. God is able to multiply whatever we need or don't need. He's able to take it away and to give us a contentment in Him. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. We're going to look at this last scripture here. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Put it on. It's something we have to do. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So as we, as we look to this faithfulness of the Spirit of God in His love. And He builds up this wonderful hedge around us of His Spirit. He builds it up. It doesn't just all come at once. It is built upon one another. So we put on the full armor of God that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. We're ready we're standing firm, it says, in, in this area, in, in, in verse 11. Stand firm then with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. You know what all these are? All of these all six that is, are mentioned here 
that I've already said here in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, they're all the Word of God. It's all the truth of God. Put these on. And the last one there is, the seventh is pray in the Spirit. You notice that that is not first. You don't pray before you put on the armor. You hear the wisdom of God and the truth of God, and then you learn how to pray. Prayer needs to come after the Word of God, after we're, we're clothed in, the, in the, the Word of God. So, this is how you and I can be hedged in by God once again, as Adam and Eve were, as Job was, as Abraham was uh, receiving the secret things of God. He was walking in that which was revealed. And I urge you, I urge you to seek God like you never have before in your life. Ask God to do things in your heart and in your mind like He has never done before in your family, in your children, in your thought life. Ask Him, and He will. He hears us. Ask Him in the name of His Son. When I was uh, sharing uh, in uh, the, the pub about seven months ago, we have an outreach for the kids on, um, on Saturdays. And there's a young man, that one of the young boys that come in, uh, I see 15, I believe, 14 or 15, his name's Nathan, and very keen young man. And he asked me, he said, Steve, could I come to Speaker's Corner with you? And I said, uh, well, you'd have to ask your mom, your mom, they say there. Um, I said, I'd need a letter from your mom or your dad. And uh, he said, okay, I can do that. And he came back with a letter from his mom. Beautiful handwriting, so I knew it wasn't his own. But uh, the letter read that he, his, his mother said, Oh, I, I, I went to Speaker's Corner when I was a child too. I would love for you to take Nathan. And if he, if, if he gets a chance, I would love for him to even be able to say something, get up on, on that ladder and speak and say something because he could uh, charm the, the birds out of the trees. That's what, what she said. But she said, thank you. So Nathan came. Now Nathan was is a young man, just he could be prime minister. He's that kind of a, um, intellectual, young, quick-witted, uh, and kind young boy. Uh, but he hadn't, he hadn't come to know the Lord. He kept saying he had, but we knew he really hadn't. He, he, uh, he, read, he took, took a Bible and read it at home, and he'd come back and share a scripture every now and then. And, uh, and, and he, was a, he was a leader himself. He was a very interesting young man and is an interesting young man. But he came with, with uh, us to Speaker's Corner. And, uh, and I, I was preaching. And uh, as I was preaching, I noticed these, uh, these other three young children. Um, and 
they were standing up in the front of the crowd and they were they were questioning what I was saying about the Bible as being true. And I noticed another man in the back that seemed like he was with them, but I wasn't sure. And I didn't know if he was their father or their friend, their their uncle, their, you know, what he might have just been a neighbor. But um, these these three young kids started questioning everything I was saying. How do you know it's the word of God? How do you know God spoke to you? How do you, all these things that kids say? And I was talking back to them. And so finally, uh, one of the kids said, uh, uh, why don't you prove to me that there's really a God? And I said, well, I can't do that, but uh, God can prove himself to you. And they said, really, where is he? And I said, well, he's right here. And I got on my knees. I said, he's right down here. If you get on, come up here and get on your knees and seek him with me, I believe he, you will find him. You know, he's, they, they stood there. They didn't move. They didn't know what to say. But all of a sudden, Nathan walks up and gets on his knees. The kid I brought got on his knees. And then those other three kids came up and got on their knees. So here's all these kids on their knees. And that older gentleman moves a little closer and he's, he's got his eyes wide open. And I realize he must be with them. And the crowd all gathered around all these kids. And, and one of the, the, the Muslim men that are mockers, that's a normal mocker uh, week in and week out, came up and he he got in front of me and in between these kids, almost between me and these kids, and he said, don't do it. Don't do it. Get up. Get off your knees. You don't know what you're doing. This is all nonsense. And all of a sudden, I saw the love of a father. And this father stepped up. And he got in that Muslim's face. He wasn't right in his face, but he was close enough. And he said, get away. Those are my kids and they have my permission to be on their knees. They asked me and they are welcome to do that. And he was smiling. And you know, it was a beautiful thing that four kids came to know Christ right then that morning and began a life. Nathan and these kids, these other kids, and a father children were brought to him and I realized later he knew the Lord and his kids didn't and here they come to this place and they receive the love of God the hedge of God the protection of God the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness their feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace the shield of faith the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit they had it all. God gives all of it at the same time because it's His Word. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And God wants to build that hedge up in us today, tonight. And if we desire that, He will give it to us. So pray with me now, if you will. Father, we are grateful for your goodness in our life. 
we are so thankful that, Lord, there is all, there is more, there is everything that we need for life and godliness in your word. Lord, the word be, became, came to this earth. The word was flesh and it, you lived among us, O oh God. You are the word of life. And we desire you to build us up in your spirit. Build up this hedge around us. Keep us from fear. Keep us, Lord God, from the, 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 the harmy, harm that we have to our own bodies, our own minds. Cause our, our thoughts, O oh God, to be thinking of you. Lord, give us your peace. Lord, give us a right mind, Lord God. Enable us to endure, Lord God, in your loving kindness and mercy. We ask this, Father, because we know, Lord, we cannot do this on our own. We give in to fear. We give in to terror. We give in to our own needs, our own comforts. But, Lord, you promised, Lord God, that you would reveal, Lord God, through your Spirit, your Word, that we could have eternal life on this earth and that we could live abundantly, Lord, abundantly in your spirit, Lord God, happy, Lord, blessed, encouraged, overwhelmed with your goodness. We ask this tonight, individually, together. Build up your hedge in our life, O oh God. Keep us, Lord, challenge us, change us, Lord God. Love us more and more, O oh God. We know that's all you want. You want to restrain us from that which is, Lord, against us, Lord. You want to build us up in your holy faith. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.